Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're talking about a couple of my favorite things. We're going to be talking about why it's so important to establish a morning routine and how to do that, and also brainwave patterns, how to work with them to get the most out of your situation and learning how they change in and out of different aspects of our day. So hang tight, and we'll be right back. Okay, so we are starting with the power of a morning routine. And God knows we have to have the studies, right? We have to know the benefits before we try something new. Not all of you, but some of you, right? So let's just scroll through some of the benefits to creating a morning routine to start. And then we'll kind of dig deep into why they help so much, um, what's the power behind them, and then also how to construct your morning routine to get the most benefit for the rest of your day. So... Morning routines, they are tried and true research to increase productivity, mental clarity and focus. They even improve your physical and mental well-being. They allow you to be in a situation to have better time management. Uh, Self-reflection, if you don't know where you're currently standing, right, then how can you possibly get to your goals and your the change that you desire, right? If you don't know where you're even starting, what you're up against. So self-reflection, self-awareness, Decrease in cortisol. So now talking about some of the physiological aspects of the power of a morning routine, decrease in cortisol, better blood sugar management, a more regulated and balanced nervous system, which I know is such a hot topic for so many of us, Um, a regulated circadian rhythm. So improving our body's ability to sleep, wake with the sun, helping our cortisol rhythm, And then, of course, setting your intention. Once again, if we aren't really tracking, we're not aware of how our thoughts are transpiring, uh, then we can't possibly know if we're changing, moving in the direction of what we want to do. So learning to set your intention at the beginning of the day will truly set the tone for the whole day and what you get out of it. So, so many reasons why it's going to be so powerful if you haven't already to create a morning routine. And a little side note before we really delve into this is that It's important to know that morning routines change and they evolve. Um, For me, my morning routine, well, you know, sometimes it's definitely more um, centered around self-care, whatever I need. If I'm becoming overwhelmed um, with balancing things with homework, life, whatever it may be, um, you know, back in the day, that was the time where I would set aside to study when I was back in school. So for me, it was when I could really get clarity and time to focus and really just know by the time my family woke up, I had a couple of hours of study, just me and my work, you know, um, done already. There's other seasons where it's going to look more like self-care where I, you know, now that I have a thriving practice, I have other things that I am pouring into. I'm homeschooling my kids. So for me, now my morning routine is centered around making sure that I am set up in a good space before my family, my clients, my team members, all of these other people need something from me. So making sure that I'm pouring into myself. And then sometimes it's strictly just, hey, I don't have time during the day right now to move my body. I want to wake with intention of getting that out of the way early and structuring my morning routine around, you know, physical movement. It doesn't matter what, you know, where, what season you're in right now, it doesn't have to look like mine and it doesn't have to look like your best friends or your husband's or your spouse's or whatever it may be. 
It just has to serve you in this season of life. So let's talk about, let's get into some of the science, right? We love the science. We love the studies. Let's get into why this morning routine is so influential in change and why it is really the golden hour of productivity and setting you up for not just your day, but the future version of yourself that you're trying to create. It really is a commitment for, and it's a, you know, coherence factor. We'll talk about that a lot between the mind and the body and you saying, Hey, I've got you. I'm pouring into you are important. And these goals and this future and this change that we are working towards is important. And I am going to do this every single morning um, because I'm committed to being the best version of myself. So it truly is that commitment, that mind body commitment. Okay. So we've talked, I talked on Instagram a little bit about this. We're going to go deeper into brainwaves later. But just in general, the first hour that you're waking, you are still connected to your subconscious. And so many of us are just running on this subconscious programming. I mean, they say generally by the time you're 35, you're pretty much just running on autopilot um, through a lot of the things that we do, a lot of the routines, a lot of our behaviors, a lot of our beliefs, all of these things are just set. And while we know, even just like with genetics, We have the power to change these programmings, but it's really important to know where we start and it's important to know where we exist and and, have awareness or we can't possibly learn to change, rewire, um, you know, elicit neuroplasticity to change our responses and change our outcomes. So that is why this first hour is the most important because when your brainwaves are in what they call theta brainwave state, you are the most resilient to change. You're going to be the most susceptible, the most suggestible, and your neurons are really going to take in new information to try to create new neural pathways. So you're highly influenced. So this means that if you are picking up your phone, the first, as soon as you wake up, right, you are going to either um, reaffirm yesterday, right? So we go to bed with our worries and our thoughts and our, you know, negativity from the day before things we wish we would have done better. And then, you know, that is eliciting a chemical response, right? How we feel about the day before. And then we pick up our phone and our mind, our subconscious is going to pick out things that are going to reaffirm and reiterate where we left off. And that is why we get stuck in the same day, the same situation, the same programming, And that's why it's really hard to change, right? Because our body and our mind crave this consistency, even though it's dysfunctional. And so it will sort through and sift through all of these millions of, you know, thoughts that we have over, you know, a period of time. And it is going to fine tune and pick the ones that are going to reaffirm and reiterate that state. And so the only way to change that is to first off be aware and be aware of the power uh, that we have, especially the first hour upon waking. And then do things differently, right? And so if your morning routine, if you already have a morning routine, like I was saying, and it's not serving you and it's not getting you to that better place that you want, then it's time to change it up, right? It's time to focus on different things. The other thing is, is if we are taking in outside influences, whether it's a TV or social media or the news or whatever it may be, This is where we get into that addiction to stress hormones. It is setting us up, especially things with the short videos, right? Reels, TikTok, things like that. 
we're setting ourselves up for these really short artificial dopamine hits that are completely not going to be found in nature, right? And so we get these hits and we become addicted to it. And that's how we really get addicted to these emotional states, these states of stress and survival. And this is why we can't make these really enlightened decisions because our body is chemically addicted to stress. And as, as you learn how um, the body works is if we are flooded with these stress hormones all the time, eventually our cells will create new receptors for even more of it. So that's how we have a chemical addiction to stress hormones. I talk a lot about this on a previous podcast. I'll link it up to the show notes. So I don't want to hang out there too long, but it also will set us up for disappointment for the rest of the day. If we can't get those dopamine hits throughout the day, or you'll notice one thing I notice is if for some reason I pick up my phone at the beginning of the day, maybe I'm off on my routine or something like that. I notice that I literally cannot stop picking it up the whole day. Um, that is the power of that dopamine response, that addiction. Um, I, it truly is like a drug. And so I notice that in me and I'm very aware. Um, and so a lot of us who, like I said, we're running on that autopilot. We're just going through the motions. We're not really thinking about it anymore because when you have that chemical addiction, the body's just going to keep doing things and keep exposing itself to things that are going to reaffirm that addiction. And eventually you don't even have to do anything. You're just, you're just on auto. You're, you know, doing things by default and you're just letting life lead you instead of you setting your intentions and what you want to get out of it. So it is really important to start to bring awareness into the power of your brainwave state that first hour of your day and using it with intention so you can create a new situation, right? That is what most of us want. We want to get to a better place, whether it's a mental state, physical state, spiritual state, whatever it may be, we're all trying to be the best version of ourselves. And if we keep doing the same thing as we did the day before over and over and over again, we can't possibly elicit change because we're not rewiring any new things. And if it feels familiar, that means it's from the past. It's only going to be creating something new or a new situation if it is unfamiliar, unknown. And a lot of times we have hard times stepping out of our comfort zone because the brain and body are, you know, like I said, there's chemical floods. We have receptors for certain chemicals, whatever is our normal. And anything off of that is truly going to be a withdrawal situation. So pulling it all back in, that theta brainwave pattern is our time for change. Okay, so we know we have to do something different, right? We have to change that biochemical response and the brain is going to be way more open to this and the neuroplasticity behind it um, during the morning hours. So we have to do something different. And I'm not saying look at a different social media, right? We have to create new habits, habits that that future version of ourselves would be doing, right? And so it's important to really think about that. Like, do I want to stay in the same place or do I want more? And if I, that better version of myself, what kind of habits would they be doing? I mean, it truly is thinking outside of our comfort zone to create a new situation and create a new neuronal pattern, right? A new network in the brain. Um, nothing changes if nothing changes, right? So we have thoughts. We know we're bombarded. 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. So thoughts matter, but our belief in them matters more. And what's a belief? A belief is just a thought you continue to think over and over again. But when we start to attach them to a feeling and an emotion, that's when you really solidify them, create that biochemical response, right? 
And then you solidify them even more and really your outcome and your results by throwing in a habit that's going to reaffirm them. That becomes a behavior, right? And then that behavior is what shapes our results and our outcomes. So think about the how to build a routine that works for you. Now, I want to talk about a couple physiological things because we've been talking about neuronal networks, our thought patterns, things like that. But let's talk about cortisol. So we have something called a cortisol awakening response. And even, you know, you may have heard of the dawn phenomenon where our blood sugar really um, kind of goes up or the first half hour of the day. Um, but waking up truly on the system is the most stressful part of the day when it comes to cortisol. So our cortisol, you know, we expose our eyes to sunlight and our cortisol is like, okay, cool, we're up, let's get running in a normal circadian rhythm, right? And so when I say stressful, it's just because we are releasing stress hormones, but in a positive way to wake us up and get us ready for the day. So between that 30 minute mark or so, how you respond to that chronic stress is going to tell me what your resilience to stress is, right? So all of these people in fight or flight with nervous system regulation issues, things like that, that a lot of that has to do with what's happening with cortisol. And also think a lot of people are also getting up right at the last minute, rushing out the door, already starting their day off with a cascade of stress hormones, which is making cortisol go even crazier, right? Our blood sugar is going to be more erratic. Our mind and body are not going to be synchronizing together because now we're, we're on survival chemicals, right? And so a lot of us start our day with that, or we snooze, snooze, snooze until we, the very last minute, we have just enough time to jump out of bed, get dressed and get, get to work or get up, get our kids up, get them all out the door. And that's a lot of stress, right? I've, I've done it for years and years. I know getting kids fed everything they need out the door on time, it is a lot. And so it's a lot of stress. And so if you're waking to that and even just waking to a really obnoxious alarm can make that cortisol like go through the roof. Um, I'm so thankful that they have different ways now to wake up with light or like some light sound or whatever it may be. I use a Philips wake light. I know the hatch is super popular right now, but I turn my Wi-Fi off at night and the hatch really does not work without Wi-Fi. So that's why I'm kind of tried and true with the Philips wake light. Um, but that too can help you ease into that cortisol response and then ease and transition back out of it. So it's not just bam, hit you in the face, you're high cortisol, you're super stressed, just starting, starting your tone for the day, because that will really truly snowball into how the rest of the day goes for you when it comes to stress hormones and blood sugar. So sometimes people look at their cortisol awakening response. It is a marker on a specific Dutch test you can run. I usually don't. I usually run just the four-point cortisol. It's enough to tell me how your cortisol is regulated. Um, but just, you know, just so you know what to compare is that if it's a 50% increase in cortisol, that's what's considered a normal um, or optimal cortisol awakening response. If it's low, then that's usually driven by burnout, depression, chronic issues, chronic infection, maybe toxicities. Um, and if it's high, it's because your adrenals are overactive, blood sugar is erratic, um, you're anticipating, which is going to create the same chemical response as an actual stressor. We talked about that. Um, just excess adrenal activity. So the drivers of this cortisol response being a little erratic is generally driven by chronic stress, like we talked about, overactive adrenals. 
um, which is going to affect not just stress hormones, but also thyroid hormones, your whole endocrine system. That's why when people are like, oh, I have a hormonal problem, it is so much more than that, right? You have to start with the brain, the brain signaling, that HPA axis, but it's all of the endocrine organs, not just the uh, adrenals. So it's really important to know that. Um, and then, of course, nervous system dysregulation, um, you're signaling to your vagus nerve, maybe it's trauma-induced, uh, lots of things that are affecting the nervous system, keeping it in that constant state of fight or flight. And a lot of that is driven just by society, right? And like I said, those dopamine hits, um, those hits of pleasure, we're constantly seeking them That in that chemical addiction distress, That is a huge factor. Now, there are other causes, right, of this nervous system dysregulation. A lot of it is driven by blood sugar, um, toxicities, deficiencies, things like that. And then, of course, let's jump into blood sugar dysregulation, which is also going to, when we know we have dysregulated insulin, I talked about this last week, um, You, I'll link to the show notes in that, but you're also going to have dysregulated um, hormones across the board, including thyroid and your sex hormones. Um, so as your blood sugar, you know, dips too low, which it does, if you have this sweep of insulin come through, then your cortisol is going to rise and kick in and really release, you know, stored glucose or glycogen. So it's going to take matters into its own hands. It's going to say, Hey, you're not feeding me. Stress hormones are through the roof. So cool. I've got you. I'm going to start to regulate your blood sugar on its own. And it's going to be erratic as heck. So, um, and then also what, what else drives these, you know, this cortisol to be so high, like we talked about chronic inflammation, toxins, diet, and insulin. So it can be very helpful if you have no idea what your cortisol or your circadian rhythm is doing throughout the day. If you want to learn to fine tune certain points in the day to look at a Dutch test, um, getting sunlight first thing in the morning, which is going to help with your serotonin, your melatonin levels, help really regulate, get your body on a sense of normal. Um, when it comes to all of those hormones and how they're synthesizing, that's going to be super important. And then grounding first thing in the morning, which really is going to help alkalize the body, find that pH balance, and really regulate your nervous system. Also, lots of people are deficient in minerals, making sure that you not only filter structure, but mineralize your water. If you're not mineralizing your water, then your, your adrenals and your endocrine system doesn't have the backing it needs to even have a proper stress response and pull itself out of it. Um, eating breakfast. So like we talked about blood sugar balance, if you don't have a supportive protein-rich breakfast, then you are going to have a higher cortisol response. Cortisol is cut by carbohydrates. And so good complex carbohydrates, right? And so if we are just running on stress hormones, we have no appetite, we're skipping breakfast, then we are really going to cause blood sugar and stress hormones to be a lot more um, erratic. And then of course, consider insulin and toxin load and then even gut imbalances. If you've done all the things, you're doing all the lifestyle things and you still feel like your nervous system is dysregulated, um, definitely look at the gut. The gut and the brain talk to each other through the vagus nerve. And so if there's inflammation in one area, it's going to affect the other. So it's never independent. Um, and then it, we just briefly mentioned the dawn phenomenon where your blood glucose can shoot kind of up high in the morning. Um, this is important, especially if you're tracking blood sugar or ketones. Um, but a few things to help support that is optimizing your sleep, um, reducing your carbohydrates at dinner. Um, and then even making dinner a little bit earlier. So those can help with, regulate what's going to happen with your blood sugar in the morning. 
All right. Going back to our morning routine, um, we we talked about how it really is solidifying your commitment to yourself to change, to tell the body and the mind to work together. And you're going to take care of it, right? And then before you get before you start taking care of everybody else in your life, like you are prioritizing you and that is major. And that really is a great way to get the mind and body into a place of homeostasis. All right. And now let's talk about how some of these things like productivity, time management, how do those play a role and and how are those changed by a morning routine? So when we talk about increase in productivity, and these are all things that are studied and backed by research and science and all of these things, but to me, it's a no-brainer, right? Because you're giving yourself time to collect before the start of the day. So you're going to have more focused attention on your goals. You're going to be way more clear on action steps to get there, right? If you practice a little bit of self-reflection, self-awareness, and even just tracking and noting your starting point, you're going to have so much more insight onto, you know, okay, where you're at and then where you want to get. And then, you know, that helps fill in the void of what are the next steps to get there. So then you're not aimlessly taking action and you're focusing your energy and attention on what truly matters, which is, of course, the end result that you're trying to get to. So by setting your intention, if you, you know, you go into your day thinking, okay, these are the steps I need to take today. These are the things I have to do for my family, my work, whatever it may be. And you set your intention to, you know, work with your time to make sure that you can check off all the things you need to do and make sure that you're also pouring into yourself and doing the things you want to do, then you're going to have way less time just kind of like running through the motions, living by default, and just, you know, creating the same day over and over and over again and expecting change. Once again, you're pulling in that subconscious mind, which is, like I said, that first hour of the day, you're more connected to the subconscious. The conscious and the subconscious, when you're setting your intention, they can work together. So you're creating a state of coherence. And this is going to improve your mindset, your time management, your alertness as far as on a physical level. We'll talk some more about that in just a second. The quality of your performance and your outcomes is going to be better. You're going to be less indecisive. You're going to be more inconsistent. And like I said, you're reaffirming your commitment to yourself and your goals, which is super powerful. And it connects those parts of the brain together to really work towards those goals. Um, Mental clarity and focus. So it's, of course, going to improve both because it's going to enhance your body's ability to concentrate on task. Um, It's going to make your mental sharpness so much more powerful. You're more creative that first hour of the day. So you're going to have new ideas, new insights, right? If you can focus and say, okay, what is the goal I want? Whether it's this week, this month, this year, whatever it may be. If you're thinking about that goal and you're setting your intentions for the day, for the week, for the month, for the year, whatever it may be, you're going to have those steps and that clarity for the next step so much better than just wandering aimlessly like we talked about. So you're going to have better decision-making abilities because you're going to have that cognition. Both sides of your brain are going to be working together. Um, So you're going to have a clear direction and focused attention and intention going into your day, which is extremely powerful. Now let's talk about improved physical and mental well-being. So 
when you get some movement in the morning, and I'm not saying you have to go kill it at the gym for an hour and a half, you know, really just going on a walk or doing some sun salutations or doing some push-ups. who cares what it is, you're going to start improving your circulation, you're going to start moving your lymph, you're going to start helping your blood sugar get balanced, right? You're going to um, elicit some endorphin responses, you're going to have some increase in energy, and you're going to have metabolic health. You're also going to improve your um, circulation to your brain. So of course, that's going to have more brain power, more clarity and thought, right? Less brain fog. Um, And then things like breath work, Uh, can really help with that increased oxygenation as well to your brain, your muscles, your acid-base balance, like we were talking about, alkalizing the body at the beginning of the day. And these can all help with things like inflammation, pain, mobility. So think grounding, movement, sun, just some sort of light physical activity to start your day off or just include in your morning routine. Um, It can be different every single day. It can just be foam rolling if you are recovering that day. Whatever it is, just commit to moving your body a little bit so that you can help all the systems that are like your circulatory system, your lymphatic system start to do their thing. Now let's talk about improved time management. So we kind of mentioned a few things like that before. Um, You're going to structure your time better if you have intentions set for your day because you'll know exactly what you're up against. There's no surprises, right? Because so many times we're like, oh gosh, we forgot about this. We got to rush here. We got to, oh, this person forgot this. We got to rush over there. If you start your day off, with the intention of doing all of these things, right? Checking off the boxes, especially the ones that are the most important and then everything else is a bonus. Um, You're going to have more time to collect. So there'll be less of that, oh, I forgot this, right? Less of that uh, brain fog that kicks in or that forgetfulness or whatever it may be. And you're going to have, you know, more of a positive effect on, like I said, the stress hormones, Um, your blood sugar, your nervous system the rest of the day, right? If you're really setting your day with intention and then um, managing your time better, you're going to have more time for yourself in the long run um, because your thoughts are going to be so much better collected. So you'll get to do a lot more of those I want to's, right? The things that we need to pour into ourselves daily, the time in nature, the time with our family, all those quality time things need to you're going to have so much more time if you just start your day off with intention setting and time management. Um, You're going to have time to plan, organize intentions, less time wasted, more optimization, and a clearer focus for the day. So we mentioned self-reflection, time for self-awareness, things like that. This is really a time to connect to what you want out of your day, or like I said, those different time frames, what you want out of your life, right? Your goals, and just yourself in general. So this can look like journaling or a gratitude practice or even just like a brain dump. I like those first thing in the day. I like them the last thing at night sometimes, especially for those people who have those recirculating thoughts that they can't stop. A lot of that is just because your brain is scared you're going to forget them. So if you just put everything out on paper, it really helps collect and then connect those parts of the brain and help them come together to that, you know, focus attention to your goals. So you're going to have more personal growth, more self-improvement, more mental resilience, right? If you're pouring into yourself, it's not selfish. It's truly a necessity to give you the clarity, focus, and care that you need before you try to pour into other people. So don't let anyone tell you that it is selfish for you to take an hour at the beginning of the day to pour into yourself. 
So another thing that the morning routine does, which we kind of mentioned, um, the nervous system component of things, but it truly does give your body time to calm and regulate your nervous system. By easing into your day, you give yourself time and care to adjust before it's forced on to take on more stressors, right? Because we know waking alone is technically a chemical stress on the body. Um, But also, we have a lot of life stressors that we're faced with throughout the day. And if we don't have time to regulate and calm the nervous system before we get in on those other ones, that's where things really start to become incoherent and erratic. So we talked about how the nervous system is not just the HPA axis, right? It's all the endocrine organs. So if we can calm your nervous system at the start of the day, we're also calming not just the adrenals, but the thyroid, the immune system, our hormones, all other parts of that endocrine system and what is being signaled. So it is extremely powerful to take that time and that intention to start your day off with a regulated nervous system. Truly, the best thing you can give yourself is the commitment of an established morning routine. And I Honestly, this has been one of the most powerful things. I get interviewed a lot and people are like, what, you know, what is the thing that's helped you the most along your healing journey? And I think sometimes people are just looking for a supplement, right? Or magnesium or whatever it may be. But it is truly the power of a morning routine and mindfulness that has changed my life for the better. And it while that morning routine has evolved throughout seasons of my life, it's been consistent in a way that I am committing to myself the first hour of the day to just create, to pour into myself whatever I need at that in that day to um, just commit and recommit every single day to being the best version of myself. That has been the most life-changing. Um, and for me, that looks like a mindfulness practice. No matter what my morning routine changes, that mindfulness practice where you're really tapping into those theta brainwaves, right? You're in that creation mode. It's going to make you more susceptible to new ideas, new insights, new information, That is one of the most powerful things because like I said, if you are thinking the same thoughts, reliving the same day as the day before, then no change can actually happen. So working with that state of that just dreamy subconscious time frame, that first hour of the day and not letting anyone else influence that is extremely powerful um, because you can really truly tap into your own body, your own mind and your intentions Um, in working towards the goals and the results that you want. So let's talk about how to create a morning routine. And like I said, my morning routine for one is evolutionary and it's also not going to be what works for you. Maybe you're not ready for a mindfulness practice. Maybe you just want to read or pray or journal during the day, whatever those look like for you. Um, But it is important to know that if you set yourself up the night before, it's going to be way easier to do. And what that means is optimizing and getting, making sure you're in a situation where you're getting good restful sleep because you're not going to be very motivated, especially when you're starting something. You're not going to be very motivated if you got really crappy sleep. You're definitely going to want to hit that snooze button and prioritize it tomorrow, right? Like that is not what we want. So getting good restful sleep starts with what you do with blood sugar, balancing blood sugar, I have a whole podcast on that. I'll link that up in my show notes. Um, And also doing the things to support your circadian rhythm. Like I said, sunlight first thing in the morning. 
all of those things are going to really get you into that deeper, restful, reparative state at night. Um, also thinking about blue light exposure, Wi-Fi exposure, all of those things uh, the night before and upon waking because those are going to affect hormone synthesis, the cortisol response, all of those things. And at nighttime, blue light is going to immediately deplete your melatonin. So if you're having trouble sleeping, consider blood sugar, consider blue light and Wi-Fi exposure. Those are going to be two of the heavy hitters when it comes to um, regulating and getting into a good state of sleep. Now, doing something for your mind upon waking. So whatever that looks like, maybe it's mindfulness. That was my go-to. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe it's praying or reading. Just whatever you do, just do something new, right? Because we want to create new patterns in the brain. We want new results. We have to change our thinking and our habits. And that will change our actions and our behaviors, right? We talk about that all the time. So don't get stuck in a routine for the sake of it. So change it so you get the most out of your morning. And that is going to be tailored to the results you want. Um, another thing on a physical level is do not have coffee without breakfast because that is going to, we're trying to calm the nervous system, right? We're trying to calm our cortisol response. And so if we're starting our day off with coffee without anything else, you're eliciting a higher stress hormone response. You're um, also going to be affecting blood sugar and you are going to really just cause that nervous system to be way more activated than it should be first thing in the morning. Also, some sort of gratitude practice that can really help you check in, uh, understand where you are, and then kind of think about where you want to be, right? So if you express gratitude and happiness, and I'm sure I'll have a whole podcast episode on this where, you know, it's that happiness advantage. Um, There's a book written on that. It's really amazing, but it really goes to show you that Um, happiness has to be a precursor to success. A lot of us think it's the opposite, right? Like when we're successful, we'll be happy then. And you have a way better chance of getting to those places of success and checking off those boxes if you start your day off with the tone of happiness. So Positive Psychology, The Happiness Advantage is a really great book to um, start reading about that. But just in general, If you start your day with gratitude, it's starting your day with elevated emotions. And so you can only create good things with elevated emotions. And so if you're wanting to cultivate change, um, beating yourself up over what happened yesterday is not going to be a great place to start, right? Start at looking at what you have currently, being happy about that while you're working towards that best version of yourself. So that is super helpful. And it really does, like like we talked about, bring the conscious and the subconscious mind to work together. And you're going to get more of those things when you start to appreciate what you have. And this is not toxic, like positivity I'm talking about. It's just appreciating and expressing gratitude to get you to an elevated emotion, right? So that you're creating from a place of, um, happiness, a place of love and intention um, versus a place of negativity because you're not going to get positive results when you are in a negative space, right? And so if you start your day off complaining or um, making up excuses or blaming other people, then you're not going to create something positive from those, right? You have to create different networks in the brain and you do that by having For one, clarity, right? Self-awareness, awareness awareness of our thoughts, and then changing our thought patterns. So um, mindfulness kind of does all of this in one. 
um, mindfulness plus journaling is like a bonus, right? Because then you can have that moment of clarity and then where do you want to go from there and really start to create that. That is a power combo, but not everybody's ready for that. And mindfulness practice looks a little bit differently for everybody. I, I usually have clients start with some sort of guided meditation and they're all so different, right? Some people really want one that's focused on the physical, like relaxing the body physically, and that can be extremely helpful. And then some people want more of a spiritual approach to things. Um, whatever that looks like for you, um, there's so many apps, there's so much availability of these things or even breath work or whatever it may be. It is just really just slowing down our thoughts to become aware of them to see what how they're affecting our results and so that awareness is really going to be a game changer for you okay now we're kind of switching topics but not really moving into brainwave patterns how they change over our life how they change throughout our day and where the average american gets stuck so we'll start to uncover some of those things and you know just so you know my background has always been um psychology, psychoneuroimmunology, which is how the mind and our thoughts and our patterns um, affect all of the th physical things in our body, our immune system, our nervous system, all of those things. So it definitely is a specialty that is very near and dear to my heart because a lot of my symptoms were nervous system driven. Um, so for me, as in figuring out my own issues and triggers and that sort of thing, I love to be able to give back and help other people understand um, the complexities of how our thought patterns are truly creating chemical neuronal responses, hormone responses, peptide formation, all of these things that truly do affect our, not only our health, but our outcomes in life. So it's really, really important. So we have different brainwave patterns throughout the day. So I'm going to go as basic as I can because this is new for a lot of people. Um, it's normal. Like we talked about upon waking, we're in that theta, just dreamy subconscious brainwave pattern. Um, but it's normal to switch in and out of them throughout the day. And then also, you know, throughout different parts in our life. So children are very much, um, in what I would call a theta slash delta brainwave pattern. They're very much stuck in their subconscious. Um, and this is generally till about the age of 10 and 12. So they're very highly suggestible, right? Like they are just soaking in information like a sponge. Um, they're not really biased to it yet. They're not attached to this information. They're just creating all of these programs, right? During that time pattern, everything that they are exposed to, everything that they're um, authorities are telling them their, you know, elders, their parents, their teachers, all of these other people. Um, they're just taking in everything, and they really just look at the world with, with childlike curiosity, right? No attachment. Um, a lot of times, they'll even talk about themselves in third person because they're really not attached to themselves. They're very much in their subconscious state, um, very curious and inquisitive, and like I said, just unbiased. Now, by the time they're 10 to 12, they start to get out of that subconscious a little bit and they start to become more analytical and they're really trying to figure out the why. They really want more stability because now that their brainwave patterns are changing a little bit, their normal is changing, they are going to be very much more identified with their, their self, right? The person that they are becoming and they want more tried and true answers. They're gonna think more about how they look, how they fit in, um, just really connecting and fitting in with their peers. And they're gonna be more in what I would call an alpha brainwave pattern. And adults go in and out of alpha slash beta, so we'll talk more about that in just a second. 
And then, like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, around 35, your subconscious is pretty much set, right? You've taken in enough information and and God knows there's so much even more information than we really need or can even process these days. So we are kind of in this like analysis paralysis state at that at that time um, then it's unlike anything we've ever experienced before and it's not that it's so set that it can't be changed but it's harder to change right because now we have this software program of all the things that we know to be true or that we believe to be true and we're just kind of running on that autopilot based on what our subconscious agrees on essentially. So for not doing anything to change, we are really just on that autopilot kind of living by default situation. And a lot of us, especially if we're so stressed and overconsumed by the way our environment and society is, a lot of times that's just a just like an automatic nervous system response, right? It's just kind of like that's just what gets us through. We don't need anything to be different because we're comfortable with the familiar. And a lot of times when people are really dysregulated, anything new, like a change, can actually be tagged as a threat. So it's really easy to get stuck. And it takes a lot of commitment and intention and awareness to even create any sort of change. So that autopilot only solidifies as we get older, right? Because we have the same thoughts, the same actions, the same habits, and the same behaviors. And those really become kind of like our temperament or our personality. And so when we are, you know, this young adulthood or, you know, as as we age into midlife and that sort of thing, we kind of get biochemically stuck, right? We have the same patterns, the same networks, the same chemical things that are flood, causing floods of chemical responses in our body that are really just keeping us um, homeostatic, even though it may be dysfunctional, right? It may not be what we want. Um, so here's the thing. One thing about our society and our environment is it gets us into what's called a beta brainwave pattern. And beta in a low, like a low grade beta can be really good for concentration and survival and things like that. But when you get high, well, like a high beta, which most of us are stuck, especially every time we get on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it may be, our brain and body signaling becomes extremely incoherent and it becomes very erratic. And so this really separates the mind from the body and creates a situation where we have uh, dis-ease in the body because those things aren't firing and signaling together like they should. So this is a place of dysfunction, disease, and survival when we get stuck in those high beta brainwave patterns. And when you're stuck in those survival brainwave patterns or those just erratic, incoherent ones, you cannot cultivate a place of change. And so that's kind of where this all ties in together, right? Working with the times of our day where our brainwaves are the slowest and the most susceptible, the most flexible, and not as resistant to change is going to be the most powerful time to try to change some of these places that we get stuck in, right? Because we really need to be in a coherent state. And that's why I talk so much about the nervous system regulation component of things. Because in order to promote neuroplasticity, you have to be able to have the brain and the body functioning and signaling together. And so those usually happen in those higher vibrational states um, that are coherent. So like a delta, a theta wave pattern, uh, delta is usually what happens overnight. 
Um, and so if we're not prioritizing our sleep, we're not getting good, restful, restorative sleep, then our nervous system is not going to regulate. We're not going to get into the subconscious like we should to cultivate the state of neuroplasticity and change. And then we're probably not going to get as deep into theta upon waking because we're going to go straight into that high beta once again. So if we work with those higher vibrational brainwave patterns like theta, like delta, things like that, you're going to make more selfless decisions. We make a lot of selfish decisions when we are in survival. We are focused on what's happening in our environment. We are focused on what we can control. Um, We are focused on time and we're focused so much on our body. So very much our physical self. And so, like I always say, you're not going to make enlightened decisions when you're being chased by a wild animal. That is because we are stuck in survival. So to be in a creative state, you have to be um, working from a place of your higher vibrational brainwave patterns where you can make those selfless or enlightened decisions and actually create new patterns of neuronal signaling. Um, So you're going to be less focused on yourself, less focused on time and your environment, less need to control things. You're going to allow things to kind of exist and flow as is, right? You're going to trust that you've set your intentions for the day. You're going to trust that things are going to work out the best for you because we're in that positive mindset, right? And you're going to have more freedom to create. Um, You're going to be able to get into the present moment. That's something that doesn't happen when you're in beta, right? And even alpha, you're not as attached to your subconscious. You're very much in your body. You're very much in that conscious state. Um, So change really happens when we can tap into the subconscious part of our brain. So you have to be able to get into the present moment, which is not something you can do if you're stuck in survival. Um, And when you go there more regularly and you're able to get to a place where you can start to slow your thinking down and get out of that monkey mind, as we call it, and that high beta brainwave pattern in a more coherent place, you truly are going to be able to enjoy life more. They enjoy the simplicity of life. Um, get into the present moment, make more meaningful choices and decisions, and you will feel such a less need to control things. The goal truly is to be the best versions of ourselves, enjoy life to the fullest, and be able to exist and appreciate the present moment, truly all that we have. So I'm going to review the different brainwave patterns really quickly because I know we kind of touched on them, but I just want to go a little bit deeper into each one just so you have a better understanding of how we flip in between these and how to get the most out of the higher brainwave states where you're going to get more change and more growth. So we talked about theta upon waking. You're going to be the most creative, the most influenced, um, And we, of course, are going to eventually switch into alpha and beta throughout the day. So beta is, especially high beta, is what's going to be that incoherent state, right? You're focused on the self and not really on the world as a whole, right? You're you're not really focused on the greater good at that point. You're really just focused and kind of stuck in that survival mode when you're in high beta. So you're very alert, active, um... You're going to have, you know, in a lower beta situation, it's going to be very useful for mental alertness, survival, um, but you're going to be very much focused on the self. And like we said, time in your environment. 
Um, so we need a little bit of this, but a lot of people get stuck here and not just in beta, but what's called high beta, where it's just very frantic and very erratic and very incoherent signaling. So we can't zoom out and see the big picture with things, right? We can't make these decisions for the whole. We really are just making decisions for that specific moment in time and something that we can control and predict and something that is going to get us, you know, to survive a situation essentially. So we're focused very much on the self and how things are affecting you. So a lot of times people will assume everything is about them, right? Or every only look at how that situation may affect them and not um, you know, society as a whole or a group of people or, or whatever. And you also need to control your external world when you're stuck in that beta signaling. So a lot of times we're flipping between alpha and beta and alpha is going to be a little bit more towards that theta state, right? Where we're a little bit connected to the subconscious, but not really, we're not really able to create like we can in theta. Um, but the alpha, you can get there with things like meditation, reflection, you can definitely get into more of creative thinking pathway, calm your body. Um, you can reduce stress, reduce anxiety. So any meditation or mindfulness practice can really get us into this alpha, which is really what the way I look at it is the little time in betas we can spend, the more time we can spend creating the life that we want. Um, so time in nature, things like that can get you into alpha. Um, and then, like I said, if you stay there long enough, you can get into that deeper subconscious level or that theta state. Um, so you're not really creating new programs or new signaling at this point, not really in, in that neuroplasticity state, but you are definitely more analytical, but less survival oriented. So more coherent, but just physically relaxed, but still very much focused on the body and how things are affecting the body. Now theta, so this is going to be just getting deeper into meditation, right? And so we talked about right upon waking being really that golden or that power hour. Um, it's, it's associated with REM sleep and dreams. Um, you're going to be very more relaxed, creative. Learning is going to be primary at this time. Uh, sometimes daydreaming, subconscious state. Um, this is where children exist till they're about 10 or 12, which is really cool. Um, restful activities, problem solving, um, all of those things are going to be so you're going to have way more mental clarity for those things. And this is the state where you can really create new brainwave patterns and new neuronal networks. So that's one of my favorite places to be. And then in the Delta state, you're very much out of the body. You're in the mind. And this is usually what happens overnight. You're very much in the subconscious at that point. So getting into deep restful sleep, a lot of times dreamless uh, sleep is associated with that Delta wave pattern, which a lot of us don't get there, right? A lot of us have something that's keeping us awake, whether it's blood sugar or a lack of melatonin, too much blue light exposure, all of those things. So the more you can get into this state, um, and some ways you can kind of get there is relaxation techniques before bed, some deep breathing or progressive muscle relaxation or imagery um, can get you to that more restorative type of sleep. Um, and then, of course, minimizing distractions, even setting your thermostat down a few degrees at night can be really helpful. And then considering Wi-Fi and EMF, all of those things that could be affecting you getting into that state. 
So we can't be in, you know, theta all the time. Like we have life that needs to happen to us. And that's not really what I'm trying to project out there. I'm just trying to teach you all how to um, work with these natural fluctuations and brainwave states and also the power that they will have on things like our children, right? Think about, so if our children are consuming, consuming, consuming till the age they're 10 or 12, everything they're exposed to, they're going to be highly suggestible to whether they know it or not. It's on a subconscious level and it is truly creating their program. Um, I heard something a long time ago, like it's called programming on the television for a reason. And I can't just get, I can't get that out of my mind, right? So really um, being intentional about what kids are exposed to, especially before those ages. Not to say, oh, you know, once they're 10 to 12, they're good. They're still very susceptible, right? They're still in a lower brainwave pattern um, than us adults are, right? So they're still taking in lots of things. They're very highly suggestible. Um, so making sure that we are cognizant of what they're exposed to is so very important. And also considering that what we were exposed to in those ages, right, or before the age of 35, all of those things that we have been taking in our whole life has created where we're at at this moment. And so whether those things are real and true or not, they still are creating our program and our subconscious and what we live by day to day on default. So if we have all these subconscious beliefs about things that are just based on something a teacher said or a peer said or whatever it may be, it's time to start looking at those and challenging those, especially if you want to elicit some change in your life and some growth, right? So um, that all comes back to this takes some reflection, some self-awareness, and the time and the clarity to even start to slow our thinking down. We're very much in a society that is stuck in monkey mind. And I think that, you know, I've always say we're in that age of mass confusion because we have inform more information coming out than our subconscious and conscious, can, you know, minds can possibly decipher. And I think that that's creating a situation where we're so disconnected from um, each other and so disconnected from our own minds and our own intuitions. And so starting to be aware of that and the influence that these things have on you is definitely step one, right? And then cultivating new thought patterns, new belief systems, and new habits. That's how we make um, change happen. And that's how we change our results and get closer to our goals. So if you don't know where to start, really just start by slowing down your thoughts. And that can be like, a, you know, a mindfulness practice. It can just be sitting in a room and, and committing to just breathing for five minutes, right? Just being aware of your breath and trying to tune everything else out and letting your thoughts just flow because our thoughts are going to flow whether we let them or not. Um, and it's truly is like taking the power away from them because then we take away the influence they have on us and the belief systems that they're creating that may not even be true or real. So taking the power away from our thoughts and just letting them flow for a few minutes a day is where I would definitely start. Um, and then, like I said, committing to yourself first thing in the morning is truly committing to change and growth and being that best and highest version of yourself, it is extremely powerful. And I hope that you know now from what we just talked about with brainwave patterns, 
that that is where you're going to get the most out of that, right? The most out of these change, the changes you're trying to make. If you try to do those when you're in a beta survival mode, it's not going to work because for one, it's going to be tagged as a threat. And for two, you're not even in a brainwave state where new pathways can be formed. So you're truly, and this is one reason why change just doesn't happen in a lot of people because they're trying to create from a place of survival and biochemically on a neuroplasticity level that just cannot happen. So creating from a place of, you know, where your brain waves are actually susceptible to change and you're not running on that subconscious default program, you're going to get the most out of it. So I hope that this gives you a little bit of inspiration moving forward and a little bit of clarity on where to start. Um, It doesn't have to look like my program, my routine. It just has to do what works for you in this season of life based on the results you want to get out of life. Thank you guys so much for today. This is such a fun, I love talking about, you know, the mind and our thoughts and our behaviors, all of those things. So thank you so much for appeasing me on this. And um, for more information, follow me at dr.stacy.nd on Instagram. And I will talk to you all really soon. Have a great rest of your day.